Welcome back to Your 1230, the podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in only 30 minutes. Today we are thrilled to be joined by Donna Tastian. Donna is the founder of Vibrant Living International, a nonprofit organization. She's also a life mastery coach, an ordained minister, podcaster, and author. She helps bring accelerated transformation to people across the world. Her passion is to help you reach your full potential. She specializes in helping you turn your baggage into luggage so you can live the life of your dreams using and developing your spiritual intelligence. Donna has been speaking and coaching for over 25 years. She has developed powerful programs and workshops to help you through life's transitions and pain to achieve your goals or dreams. She's also produces a podcast called You Were Designed for Greatness and has written four books. Her clients say she has a knack for turning fear into excitement and exposing lies so the truth can shine through. Donna, welcome. We are really excited to have you here today. My pleasure, Mike. So I want to start there at the end. Uh, there's a lot of amazing things in the bio, but turning fear into excitement and exposing lies so truth can shine through. How, how do you do that? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I figured you were going to come up with some good ones. Uh, I can't quite, that is through my transformational programs and it doesn't happen with me just answering the question and then you can walk away and always change your fears into excitement, but it is around what you're believing. Let's see if you thought that no matter what adversity that came your way, that somehow it was going to turn out for your good, you would have an anticipation for good happening instead of worrying about more bad happening. So that's just an example of changing the way that you approach life, the way that you approach situations and circumstances can change you being in fear. I was talking with a client right before today, and she was saying when good things were happening, she figured there was like only so much good. And so there had to be life was hard. So the next thing that happened would be bad. And so there was an anticipation of bad as opposed to an anticipation of things working out for your good. So that does that answer the question that or does. lead to another question? It, it leads to another question. It also reminds me of something that I recently heard that I absolutely loved because it is a, a lot about how you frame it and how you think about it. Was the, uh, the thing that I heard that made me think of was that it's probably irrational to be 100% confident, you know, all confident all the time. It's probably irrational to be 100% worries or worry about everything all the time. So if they're both irrational, why not just be confident and then let, let, let things fall where they may, not to, to worry about things that may or may not happen. So that that's, that's kind of what I thought of, and that makes sense the way you describe it with the conversation with your client. But speaking of your mm-hmm. clients, who do you most often find yourself working with, and, and what does that relationship look like? I work with women. Um, I may be expanding that in the future, but right now that's what my programs have been designed for because it's dealing with women who have some type of difficult or traumatic past. Um, So that is the women that I work with. And how it looks is I work in group and one-on-one coaching. Okay. And the nonprofit uh, structure of that, how how did you... Mm -hmm. How was that determined and what does that look like currently? Well, I'm an ordained minister, so it is structured in that manner. Um, And if you uh, 
if you will, my uh, people that I influence, which would have been the members of, of other, you know, if you were having a church, those would be the members, the people that I touch base with are the people that I care for. And that's the way I look at it. So it is structured as a nonprofit organization so that we would be able to save money and use that money more to help others. Got it. Okay. So with the one-on-one coaching, the group coaching, and the, uh, the people that are, follow you as a minister, your parishioners, are, do they kind of jump between the programs? You know, you, it seems like you wear multiple hats. Do you have people that see you and, and wearing those different hats or how does that kind of look in practice? Depends on where the person finds their connection with me, where they begin in, but my programs do have a, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. They go in, in line with each other. There's a sequence to them if you, if you're starting. So it depends on where you begin in the program. I have different programs to meet people wherever they are. So it's learning to be able to, uh, so there's no specific way that they might go. It just depends on what, where the person is, because I'm very personalized with doing what's best for them. And how can you tell what's best for them? I'm sure the, you know, the 20, 30 years of experience helps. But, <laughs> uh, I, I, I found that when, when there are specialized one-on-one programs that it sometimes can be difficult with some of the clients or with some of the uh, experiences or expectations to, to know where they are. So how, how do you become master at that? Uh, I can talk with somebody with less than five minutes and tell, um, it's not, it isn't difficult for me. It's more of a, um, challenge might not be the right word, but I'll use it for now to help them to see what they, what they would need, but it's not difficult for me to see what would be a benefit to them. Um, as long as they're honest with me. Honesty is a very big key. And it's not so much that honest with me, but sometimes honest with ourselves. Um, Generally speaking, our culture is a very big DIYer. Let me figure it out on my own. I pull my bootstraps up and I can figure this out. And a lot of times that causes us not to really be honest with where we really are. So learning to um, to be in that place is, is the most challenging sometimes. And if I'd asked a better question, I think I would have got there perhaps, but I'm glad you mentioned the two points that I was trying to get to. The first part, the honest piece that sometimes it's, we don't know when we have trouble or we might be embarrassed or reluctant to share that. So that, that would be um, something that may make it difficult to kind of see through it as you reference. And the second part, the do it yourself. I think our, a lot of natural instinct, a lot of the time it's like, well, I, I should at least give this a chance before I look mm-hmm. outwards. Um, so the, you know, going with the first part of that, that if someone is not being as candid with you, either that they don't know themselves or they are uh, reluctant to share, how have you been successful in kind of sussing that out and getting to connect with them on a deeper level? Uh, usually by sharing my own story. Um, where, you know, if there is a relatability in what I've been through and what they've been through, then once I'm vulnerable, there is more of a tendency for them to be vulnerable as well. Um, so that's usually pretty easy. Um, I don't, I've never really had a problem with women opening up to me. Um, 
I, more often than not, and they're like, I've never told anybody this. I can't believe I'm telling you this. That's more what happens with me than the other way around. So how, how do you get them to feel so comfortable to, sh- to share such, such things? <laughs> it's who I am. I don't, it isn't something that I work up. It's just who I've always been. I've always had um, women being able to feel comfortable sharing. Um, And I, and again, part of part of it is probably I understand. I can relate to wherever they are. And um, that would be, but it has never been difficult. Yeah, the relatability piece is big, especially when you are opening up first and you're sharing your story that yes. makes it easy for them to, to mirror what we've told them. Uh, you've mentioned that you work uh, solely with women currently. Was that always the case? And how did that come to be? Because most of the women, there is some type of sexual trauma. Um, and so in, especially in groups, there's not that can't be mixed. Um, there couldn't be male and women and female both present in that. So, um, yes, predominantly I've always worked with women. Okay. And that goes back to the, the title life mastery coach. Is this life in all phases? Is there an area that you focus on or, or what exactly does life mastery coach refer to? I teach skills and tools and laws to help you master life in every area. Could you give me an example of one of those laws? (laughs) I didn't think you were going to let me stop there. (laughs) This episode of Your 1230 is brought to you by Accomplished RE, helping real estate agents achieve time, location, and financial freedom. Ah, to give you an example, um, you mentioned that in my bio, it mentions um, learning how to develop your spiritual intelligence. And that is um, one of my workshops or masterclasses that I recently released last couple months and will be again in 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 sometime in the future, is talking about utilizing our six extraordinary gifts that we were born with that we're probably not aware And one of the gifts that I'll mention today, and if you want the workshop, you can message me. I'll be happy to share that with you. The masterclass is not currently public, but for this group, I'll let it go and make that public. But for example, one of the gifts that you're born with that you may be aware, but not really aware of how to use it. Before I tell you what the gift is, is when we use these gifts in a manner in which they were not designed, it's like using a knife and I had never saw a knife before and you tell me to cut an apple. I turn the knife the wrong way and I'm sawing at it, trying to get it to work and it won't go through the apple very easily. And I cut myself in the process. I throw the knife down and say, I'm never using one of those again. That's what it's like when we have these gifts we may be aware of them, but we not actually makes life harder when we don't know how to use them. So now I will share one of them, and it is imagination. Now, you may not think imagination is a gift, but remember when you were a child, anything was possible from minute to minute. You were an astronaut and a cowboy and a whatever. 
whatever you wanted to be, you know, an Indian, a ballerina, whatever your imagination. And it was real. And you were there and you were, oh, you were dying and all the things. I had four brothers. So I did more of that than I did the princess stuff. (laughs) Um, And as we get older, if you really think about it, our imagination is used to to expect negative. It's used for worry. Anybody who's ever had a kid come home late or not wherever they're supposed to be when they say they're supposed to be there, you know what your imagination does. And it you see everything that is possible, all of the negative and the blood and all of the things. And that's the way we have learned to use when imagination was there to be creative and for anticipation for good. And I teach more on how to do that. So that's one example is when you learn these tools, these gifts and the laws that I teach, you are able to affect every area of your life. Because if you're just talking about imagination and your imagination, things go well in your relationships and in your health and in your career, it doesn't matter. It would help you master life in every aspect. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So just to, just to summarize, thank you for sharing one of the six extraordinary gifts. We'll include your contact information for our listeners who would like information on the other five. Uh, I really like the way that you use the apple and knife illustration to kind of show how that can, how that can look, uh, as well as kind of going back to that point that when we give the ability to our mind to run off in one direction or another, that if we let it go negative, worry, or uh, things that might be bad, it, we, we will do that and then it'll have a negative consequence even if the child is late for a very <laughs> a, a very non-threatening or a, a mm-hmm. positive reason so uh, the, and that's very harmful that's i get to talk to a lot of amazing folks on the show and from all different disciplines and all different backgrounds and it seems to come down to that having a strong mindset positive first and not allowing for that worry that uncertainty to creep in has really, really resounding uh, effects that it, it, it's much more powerful than I even, you know, for a long time, like, I, I don't know how, how much, how much benefit that has or how important that is. But just from hearing it from plenty of different directions, I've started to believe it myself and, and I see it in, in my life and, and those around me for sure. Uh, so I've rambled there, but uh, back to my question. This will be my last uh, coaching question. Minister first or coach first? What came first and how, uh, how do they help kind of uh, help work together? Um, I don't know which one was first. It's part of who I am. Um, so it is hard to uh, differ, you know, make a difference in the two of them. And um The reason why it is part of who I am is my faith is at the core, even when I'm not talking about anything to do with it has to do with who I am. Um, So it's always it's it's the reason um, my faith is the reason why I am where I am today and what I'm doing today. So um, perhaps that would have been first if we were going to call it faith as opposed to being a minister. And then. learning how to become a coach maybe would have been second, but they're definitely intertwined. Okay. And as you mentioned, Faith, I 
highlighted spiritual intelligence as part of that bio that I, I could barely read because it was uh, so impressive. <laughs> the, how do those, how is faith a piece of spiritual intelligence and what, what does that refer to in general? I don't know how you would have spiritual intelligence without faith. Again, they're intertwined with each other. And how does, what was the second part of the question? So that faith is part of spiritual intelligence, but what, what else makes up that, uh, you know, that, that, that thought or, or that piece of, of what you're working on your, uh, in, in your ministry or with your clients with? Um, as far as faith goes for me, faith is a personal thing. It's not necessarily uh, um, specifically something that's part. To me, there's a separation in my faith. And then spiritual intelligence is the laws and the gifts that I teach that are in place in our world. They are operating like gravity, whether we're aware of them or not. You can't walk off the roof. It's, it's you know, you could, but you will reap the consequences. And then I've, you know, when, for example, I walk off the roof, I break my leg, and then I scream at God, how come you allowed this to happen? That's the kind of thing when we don't know the laws, when we don't understand what that they're put there for our good, like imagination. I like to picture, it's super easy for me to say, use your imagination for positive. It's not so easy to walk that out because everything is designed in this world for you to expect and prepare for bad. It's just the way things are. I mentioned uh, being honest and you did have a second part question that I think we missed. So I'd like to circle back to that map idea of being honest with where I am in my life. One of the ways that I describe it is we've been given the wrong map. From the time we started school, We've been taught not to daydream and just, and everything is based on your self-worth is based on your performance. If you, you know, remember when they lined us up and you're going, I picked that one for my team and that one for my team and that one for my team. And if you've ever been the last kid standing there, you know how that feels. And if you, you know, didn't make good grades or one subject was hard or whatever it was, it begins to affect your self-esteem in every area because it's all based on performance. And we, and the people that were excelling in performance get all caught up in the performance mentality that somehow it destroys everything else in our life. So I like to say we've been given the wrong map for the destination of, of being happy and at peace and confident, we've been given the wrong map. And I, I, I tell it with this story. This is, this is the days prior to cell phones and GPSs, but a guy was taking a trip and he was on a business trip to Chicago. And it was super important sales appointment. It was going to change the trajectory of the whole company. And he was so excited about it, but his connection flight had been delayed. And he was so afraid he was going to be late for this appointment. So he lands in Chicago, rushes up to the rental car, grabs his luggage, rushes up to the rental car and, and gets his rental car. And he starts to turn around and leave. And he turns around and goes, oh, I need a map. And he grabs a map off the counter and runs out to his car. And he looks up the street address and he is searching everywhere. And he can't get, he can't find the address. And he's like, man, if I could just focus, 
If I could just try harder, if I could just work at it, I should be able to find this address. What's wrong with me? Anybody ever said those kind of things to themselves? Yes. So finally, he pulls over to the side of the road and he opens up the map all the way and it's a map of Detroit. Will he ever get to the address he wants in Chicago with a map of Detroit? No. And so many of the times, our map that we've been given of how to be happy, work harder, do this, do that, isn't working. And we don't know why. If I could just try harder, if I could just focus, if I could just be more positive, I would get to my happy destination, my contentment, my feeling like I matter, that I'm making a difference. But we've got the wrong map. And as a life mastery coach, I want to help you get the right map so that you can be all of the things we talked about. That's an incredible story. And as somebody who easily gets lost, I can relate to it. And I, <laughs> I think that it, uh, cell phones are not. So thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, also part of that bio, podcaster and author. So the podcast, you were designed for greatness. What do you talk about there? And who, who are you talking to and who should be listening? The podcast is for anyone. Uh, that wants to listen to that. It is an inspirational podcast, sharing tools and tips to let, to help us to realize that we were designed for greatness. So that's what the podcast is. I also keep it shorter than a lot of podcasts. It's 15 minutes or so. It, so it's that quick dose of inspiration and encouragement. It's me sharing that and also other people sharing their stories of overcoming. I love that. Thank you. And the author piece, four books, <laughs> mm -hmm. tell us about one or any of them or how you got started writing. Uh, well, I, first of all, I kept telling people I wasn't an author and people kept saying, you have books in you. So I doubt I'm done. Um, none of my books are really long. They are a lot like me. I get straight into the point pretty quickly. <laughs> Um, but I'll highlight two. One is free and one is for purchase. Uh, the free one is on my website and well, the other one is too, but it's called An Umbrella on a Sunny Day. And that book is the umbrella. The title is how much we figure, well, the sun is shining on me, but I know it's going to rain on me because sooner or later it always rains on me. So I'm going to bring my umbrella and just be prepared for the negative, for the, for the rain. So it's that waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of feeling. And that book is me sharing my personal story of a teenage pregnancy and the other information <laughs> about my traumatic past that is in that story. And then I share four keys to rising above so that we can enjoy the sunshine and quit bringing our umbrella when the sun is shining. And that book is absolutely free. And you can find the link on my front homepage. The other book is called The Key to Transform Your Life. This is for purchase. And it is 30 days of affirmations or declarations already written out for you. And I have watched this because the power of our words transform everything. So the first part of the book is why is words important? Why is the words that I speak making a difference? Why would this work for me? Why is this the key to transform my life? 
And then there gives, I think it's about, it averages about seven different things and declarations you can say every day for 30 days. And you don't have to feel like you're bored repeating the same thing. I am beautiful. I am loved. It's different than that. (laughs) And it gives you things to say every day. And it is an ebook as well. So you can have it right on your phone or your device to utilize at your convenience. Excellent. Those, uh, we'll be sure to link to both of them as they both sound like excellent reads. Uh, and it, the term intertwine could just jump back in my mind as you were describing uh, the, the book specifically, especially the affirmations, uh, as we've talked about things being intertwined earlier today. It's just that faith, having the belief in something large in ourselves, having a, the right map or the proper map, and then having the positive self-talk that we can mm-hmm. understand that whether or not we're looking at the right map and then having the faith that we're going to get to where we're going to go. At least that's how uh, the way you've described it makes, makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. So intertwined again. Uh, we spent a lot of our time talking about uh, what you do professionally, what's in your bio, what's not in your bio, what do you do for fun? Um, well, I'm a, a wife, a mom, and a grandmother. I have seven grandchildren, so that takes a lot of my time in a very delightful way. <laughs> um, and so as far as other than that, I have two dogs, um, which I'm um, are are outside running around at the moment. So they don't make noise. Um, and I love reading and crocheting. I love cups of tea and nature of different, all different kinds. So those are the things that I'm doing when I am, oh, I like to cook too. Um, so those are the things that I'm doing when I am not working. Okay. I'm going to follow up on trying most of them. What do you find is the different major difference between parenting and grandparenting? Besides the wisdom and experience you've gained having raised your own children. Um, wisdom is the biggest things. Um, and it can also cause a lot of self-reflection of, I wish I have done things differently, but the biggest advice I would give to parents, if I was talking to myself, I'll put it that way. I would tell myself to relax more not to be so uptight about all the little things and love, love and encourage the kids more than correction, even though both are needed, but I would be, but we default to pick up your room, you know, whatever we default to the the correction as opposed to spending more time. There should have been, I wish I had done more encouragement and less um, correction and to relax and not make such a big thing out of all the stuff. Because in the scheme of my kid's life now, most of the stuff I was all upset about didn't even matter. Didn't matter. I love that advice uh, as the dad of three little kids. And as we've talked about, you know, being easier on ourselves, more positive, relax, yep. love and encouragement. That's, that's, that's great yep. advice for parents or for ourselves. Um, I guess I'll go next with cooking. How did, what do you cook? Is there a go-to meal? Is there a way you found it? I'll let you tell me anything that I should know about your cooking. Um, well, when I very first started cooking, I was, I was quite young, um, I'll put it that way. So cooking was a chore. And so learning to switch it to cooking to be something that, I, that it was enjoyable was a, a, a shift for me. Um, my husband and I are on, um, cooking 
in a healthy way. And we're doing it on the, the diet that they're calling it or the lifestyle of eating is called Mediterranean. And so I have been doing exploring recipes in that area. It, if you think of, if you were to eat in the Medi Greece and Italy and those um, areas, um, but uh, it's, so it's low carb more, you know, has less carbs and, and fish and, you know, proteins and vegetables of all different kinds, you know, learning new recipes and, um, and instead of thinking about what the meat dish is, it's like, what kind of new vegetable dish can I make this, this time? And, um, olives and olive oil and all of those kind of things are a big part of it. So that's been lots of fun and man, did it make sure taste buds explode. So it's been good. Very nice. And then just lastly, uh, crochet, somebody who knows nothing about either of these, <laughs> what, what's the distinction between crocheting and stitching or any other kind of, how does, with yarn, what, what makes crochet specific? <laughs> I'm sure that's a very terrible question, but it just. <laughs> uh, crocheting is with one, one instrument. It's called a crochet hook. If you're talking about knitting, knitting which is the go. other one that's done with yarn is knitting. And that is done with two needles. Um, I can knit as well, but I enjoy uh, crocheting. It's much more relaxing to me than knitting is um, for me personally. So, um, I have crocheted more Afghans than I can count, um, <laughs> all different kinds and all different colors and that kind of stuff. It's not something I've been doing as much lately, but I really loved it a lot in, um, the past years. So it is still something I enjoy. Thank you for that. And thank you for, uh, helping me through my poorly worded question. And then just finally, as we're almost at time, is there anything that I didn't ask you today, Donna, that I probably should have? Hmm. No, I don't know that there's anything specific that you should have asked that you didn't. Um, I would just like to leave perhaps this interview with hope that no matter where you find yourself, it is possible to live vibrantly. It is possible and if you need some support, whether you're male or female, I can help you get in the direction to find the resources to help you on your journey. That is my life quest. It is what I love. And so if you need any support, I'm here. I like that answer a lot. And thank you for the, the offer to help anybody looking for direction and, and kind of getting them on that path. Uh, so we will include all of the, uh, the things that we talked about, all of the links where our listeners can find you. But if there's one place they should go to learn more, where is that, Donna? My website. It, it, all of the resources are there, um, except for the link for the masterclass, because that's not being public right now. But all you got to do is message me on my website. Let me know you want that. And my website is the letter I, vibrantliving.com. Excellent. So we will, again, post all of that. Donna, thank you so much for your time. This was a blast, and I uh, appreciate the insight, the information, and just the, uh, the, the positive way that you frame and look at things. So thank you very much. My pleasure, Mike.